If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Granger Smith Podcast. Welcome back. If you're returning, good morning. Thank you for listening. Have you ever had a DWI or DUI or had anybody involved with a DUI? Uh, one, of my, one of my very close friends, Caleb, who's been on this podcast several times, uh, has some great news to share today as he's come to the end of his DUI process and they finally removed the apparatus from his car. It's been a a journey that sometimes you could think is never going to end. And uh, I have been with him through this, watching this go down. And it's been um it's been gruesome watching it happen happen. And I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about today because not only is it relevant for that situation, but it's relevant for a lot of people that feel stuck. Do you feel stuck right now? Do you feel like you can't move forward with whatever you're dealing with? Or, or it feels like the light at the end of the tunnel is so far away. It feels like you're never going to get there. I mean, you, you could look at it and say, I have 72 months of this before I could ever see something normal. Maybe you're just thinking about the state of the world today. Maybe you're just thinking that things aren't going to be normal until this happens and I don't think I could wait that long. You're going to want to listen to this podcast. We're going to hit on all those things. And I think it's really important to talk about and spread that kind of message. I do want to give a few shout outs before we start, before we roll that intro. This is the shout outs. If you have a question or a shout out, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. This first shout out goes to Hayden Lancaster. Thank you for listening, buddy. Dustin Kaufman. From Lancaster, PA. He likes Bioboy baseball. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, Herman PNR from South Africa, P I E N A A R. Shout out to South Africa. Thank you, Herman. Um, Cheyenne Nelson, 
Shout out to you. I appreciate you so much from Concordia, Kansas. Um, Mitch Kajar. Mitch, shout out to you, buddy. Thank you for listening. And Stephen Pokeholk. P-A-C-H-O-L-K-E. What is my problem with pronouncing names today? Um, Shout out to Stephen. Thank you so much. You're from Grain Valley, Missouri. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, This podcast means a lot to me because it's putting content into the world that I feel like could help people, could be meaningful, could give someone a purpose, could someone could take just a little, little sliver of something that we say and apply it to make something in their life a little bit better. Now imagine that concept of a lot of people making something tiny in their life a little bit better. That adds up to a lot of good for this world. Thank you for listening. This is episode 65. Roll that intro. Yee yee. Caleb back with me. This is actually two weeks in a row for you. Two weeks. You're a, you're a regular. I like you. You're my sidekick. That's what I'm here and for. you have good stories and you you have uh, I don't know, you're just one of my best friends and you you you're so resilient. You're like a ping pong ball. You just keep bouncing. I just keep bouncing back. And sometimes you don't think you're bouncing, but I I know you're bouncing. I'm like, "Man, you got this." Uh, and yesterday, I was leaving the farm. And you were driving in, and I was driving out. And I pulled over, rolled the window down. You rolled your window down, and there was something very different about you yesterday. Yep. Something different specifically about your vehicle yesterday. Yes. You had a lot of uh, apparatus that was previously there that was now gone. Mm-hmm. So, and I said, man, we got to get you on the podcast. We got to talk about this. Because I think it's a message that a lot of people could hear. And the people on this podcast, I'm always blown away with the diversity, not only geographically that listen, but the diversity of age. I'll get shout outs from from people that are 13 years old and 75 years old. Yeah, it's so it's crazy. And so that it. When I hear a story like yours yesterday, I think we got to get that on the podcast because it's a story of hope. It's a story of not only overcoming adversity, but overcome, you know, like you you put, you close the book of that piece of adversity. Mm -hmm. And what I'm talking about is 
several episodes of this podcast ago. I had you on here and we talked about your journey, your journey, not only with me as, as my old drummer, now you're the warehouse manager here at Yee Apparel, but your journey that you've had, you've had a mountain. I can say that because you're from Colorado. Yeah. You've climbed mountains in your life. And you always seem to make it over the mountains and get to the other side, even though it might not seem like it on your way up. It never does. This latest mountain that you have now crest mm-hmm. is you've your car is now clear of the um the what what's it called? It's called an ignition interlock device. Some of you out there will be familiar with it. At least a handful of you. Yes, unfortunately there was Ignition interlock device on there as a result. Um, they do that as a result of DUIs, DWIs. Yeah. You got a, a, is it a W or a U on this last one? I think it was a U. So I don't you know got different. Some different states do them different. And you got a DUI. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, from craziness that had happened that was, you know, that was the result of it. And it's been years. Yeah. It's been years, and so I wanted to bring you on here because it's there's there's people that they could have struggled with something in their life. They could have they've could have gotten a DUI or a DWI or something worse, and then you get you get plunged into this turmoil of remorse and regret and repentance and recourse and a lot of other things that start with re and and you look at it like there's no way i'm going to get through this this probation time or you Mm -hmm. can't you can't do this and this and this and this and this and you got to get into your car and literally breathe into this plastic tube and with a camera a Mm -hmm. tiny camera for years looking at you for three years yeah it's it's the whole the whole process is just is unbelievable. I, I will say, at, at, on the outset of what I'm about to say, none of that would have happened if I wouldn't have given them a reason to, um, you know, to arrest you, to for you to get in trouble. Because if they pull you over and you've got nothing going on, well, then they just kind of let you go. But unfortunately, I gave them, you know, a reason to do that and. uh you know, some people some people get pulled over, some people don't. I typically will get pulled over, or I will get. I, I have like anti lottery luck. It's uh, but I'm about to start defensive driving me myself too. So, uh, and 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 I got to add to what you're saying that you know we got to thank goodness that those 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 kind of drastic measures go in place to discourage hmm. uh, drinking and driving because of. This, the damage far worse than a DWI oh, yeah. that it can cause. So yeah, to, not yeah. neither one of us are talking about uh, how that's a pain. Yeah, because that needs to be in place as a pain, as a huge roadblock. Uh, but what we're no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about you were faced with that, and you did it, and you didn't break your probation, and you didn't. Nothing else happened during that no. time. Uh, and so now that you, your car is clean, mm-hmm. be able to drive. So now you could take where you are now in your life, and you could rewind ten years, 
and go, man, you, you really have a fresh start now that you might not have seen coming that you might not have, you probably doubted yourself that you could even have this clean. this is as clean of a slate as I've probably ever known you to have. Yeah. That my perspective on everything's a little different and, uh, I'm grateful for, you know, to be able to just kind of restart everything and um, I'm definitely a little wiser. I think this is supposed to, this is what all this is set up to do is to just kind of let you know, hey, you know, you know, start start doing things different, start thinking different, start making different decisions and uh, stop being so reckless and kind of, you know, you know, just go th- go about things a little differently. And you think that you did, right? Yeah. I mean, when they, you know, when they arrest you and, and um, they tell you you're on probation, they're like, you can't do this or that for two years. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to do it. I know there are lots of people who have, uh, you know, difficulty during probation and stuff like that. I didn't, you know, I just do whatever they tell you to do. But there, there are some people who have a massive problems. I remember a probation officer telling me that people would show up drunk to their probation meeting. I I, just, <laughs> I don't know what oh, makes you I think you're not going to get caught. But it does feel like you are it does feel like you're never going to get over that because there's always one thing that follows you know the best way to describe going through probation is they they chop you off at the knees and then they tell you to run. It's like, "Well, I, now I can't do I can't do this because you took that away, but you expect me to do this." You know, like you need to be able to go to work and be employed and show up to all these meetings immediately after they suspend your license. It's like, well, how am I going to make it to the meetings? And how am I going to do all these classes and go do community service and all that? You took my license away. But if you figure don't, it out. That, yeah. I, I, used to, I used to look at people who were in the system, the, the criminal justice system, who said it's, it's hard to get out. And I would say, no, you're just lazy or, or you don't care to get out or you don't want to get out or you're just used to it. And, and now I look at it a little differently in that it is a little bit harder. It's just harder, you know, to to jump through all those hoops. Um, it's harder than it looks. You know, it doesn't look like it's that hard from the outside. But once you're in, it's just a little bit harder to do. But to just kind of put one foot in front of the other is the only thing you can do. They say keep doing the next right thing. And that's all you can do. The next right thing. Mm. That's awesome. Just keep doing the next right thing. Keep doing the next right thing. I don't think I've ever... You always have little pieces that I've never heard you say that they're like just just good pieces of of life advice you could take and apply to any person. (laughs) It's not easy to do the next right thing. No. It's not. No, it's easier to mess up. But it's a guideline. Mm -hmm. If you ever go, what should I do? The next right thing. Mm. Which one is that? It's you could always tell. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're like, oh, what's the next right thing? We wake up in the morning. Well, get up, get dressed. What's the next right thing after that? Well, go to work. What's the next right thing? Do my job. What's the next right thing? You know, just keep doing go the next home. right thing. <laughs> yeah, go home. What's the next right thing? Not doing the next wrong thing. Yeah. You know, what's the next right thing? Go out and have a couple beers with people. No, not right no, now. That's not no, the right thing. Can. No, that's not the right thing. So do the next right thing. So. Keep doing the next right thing, and you'll get through it. And and uh, it, it's seasonal. We talk about this about how <clears throat> life is seasonal, and that's important to remember in anything. Uh, but it's a season that will pass. 
it doesn't feel like it's going to pass because it, sometimes it could take years for you to get through whatever difficulty you put yourself in or or you found yourself in but life is seasonal you know just that summer will come rolling around again winter will come rolling around again you're not constantly going to be in this season that you're uh, living in yeah even if it's a good season mm-hmm. you think this is great i'm just going to hold right here yeah. and life always changes mm-hmm. on you yep. you could go back to your hometown you can try to go back to your old your favorite burger joint it's probably gone yeah <laughs> or change names or the burger doesn't taste the same anymore because there's a new owner i mean it's like the, even those tiny things like that the, it constantly is a turnover and you have to learn to readapt to the present mm-hmm. you can never chase the past and you certainly can't uh, put things in place that you think are the future so what for, there's people listening right now i would assume a lot of people listening right now they're kind of stuck in in a place where either they're mentally stuck or they're legally stuck like you were where you know they're literally breathing into a plastic tube every time they try to start their engine or their car or they're working out like you worked out with your wife for years your driving situation mm-hmm. like who's going to take the car am i going to drive yeah. you need to drive who do you have the, i can't but i can't drive because of this and then and she has to take the car that was a mess that you guys had to work out for three years yeah and she's an she's an angel um Without her, it would have been significantly harder, probably impossible. But it just, uh, yeah, that was really that was a really rough time trying to figure out how that goes. Which brings up a point that is, um, it it doesn't just affect you. You know what I mean? It affects everybody. Then your kids got to get in the car, mm-hmm. and you have to explain to your kids why in the world you have to, you know do that to get the car started but um i will in in <clears throat> the way i go about doing any of my mistakes which there have been a lot of is just be upfront with it you know i told the kids this is what happens when you make a mistake this is what happens when you you know when you do this wrong you do that and everything has consequences this is exactly what you're going to get you know play stupid games win stupid prizes this is what happens i don't think there's another way to go around to go about it than just being up front with it but yeah it's definitely a uh, tricky so if you're speaking to to them the, the people <clears throat> oh, sorry, listening sorry, yes. right now i didn't really ask that. i didn't really set that up right but if the people that are listening that are stuck either mentally or legally or physically and you okay. look at three-year time frame mm-hmm. and you and you look at that mountain you go I'd rather just quit. I'd rather just not do anything than to try to do this for three years just to maybe have our normal life at the end of the tunnel. What do you say to those people that are stuck? Well, you're going to, you're just, you know, like it's it's a season. You know, if you look at, if, if you haven't even gone to your core date or, you know, it just happened, you know, there might be one person out there who just got arrested two nights ago or something like that. No matter what the situation is, you're looking at, a long span of time to you what looks like a long span of time and uh, when you look back on it, it, it it's you just have to go do the next right thing text take the next step you know do your best and and you can look at it this way is is it might look like a long time three years looks like a long time or four years looks like a long time but 
I mean, do you, how? What was junior high like? What was high school like? I mean, you got through that. That was three years. That was four <laughs> right. years. You know what I mean? Do you remember junior high? I mean, it seems like a brief period of time in your life right now. Looking back, it's like, oh, junior high was nothing. Well, this is going to be as long as junior high. You know, only, only you won't have to go. To, you'll have to go to classes. So, it's a <laughs> so lot like junior high. Let me go. Let me make that even more specific and go to a question from a listener. Uh, this this question comes from Kevin, and he emailed GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. It says, hey, Granger, love the podcast and the Smith channel. My name is Kevin. I'm a YouTube listener and watcher from Cincinnati, Ohio. I wanted to write in and ask, how do I overcome the stuck feeling at a job? Have you ever had to figure out how to get over the monotony of a day-to-day job that always feels like you're going nowhere? Currently, I'm working at a power plant that will be shutting down in the next five to seven years, and I just struggle figuring out the next step. I have a wife and four kids to support, so I feel like I have to stay at this current job and never get to take a leap into a new one with the struggle of bills or to make sure I have health insurance, etc., but always hopeful that I'll find the next uh, a new job that's right that I can apply for. Hopefully you can give me some advice on this issue. So there's the stuck issue um, coming from Kevin in Cincinnati. That's very specific to his job at a power plant that's probably closing down in the next five to seven years, and he pretty much hates it. What do you say to Kevin? Um, Because there's that five to seven year period that's like junior high, you know. Yeah. You know, like eventually this is going to end, but it's not super happy about being there. I would say is if you start making some moves, you know, now to where it's going to make that five, seven years um, shorter, you'll be doing things like try and start to find somewhere else to try and start now trying to look for someone some other place to uh to work at and don't do it obviously the last minute because that's going to make that last year absolutely awful and then it'll give you something to focus on instead of focusing on the job that you absolutely hate don't like doing or is eventually going to end you'll start to focus on that next step that you're going to make that next season that you're going to walk into and it'll make that season bearable you know a lot of people if you hate winter you're not just going to sit there and think about winter all the time you're going to plan a spring break or something like that or you know you don't just sit there and think about the horrible thing you're dealing with try and think about something you know new so i would i would start planning right now for that next job and then that focus will help keep you through that job you're going to get something better than the one you have right now but only you know only if you're out there doing it do the next right thing if you know that your job is going to end in the next five to seven years the next right thing for you to do would be look for something else something better and then set your goals higher you know nothing changes if nothing changes so your situation with your job that you're not happy with right now nothing's going to change if your attitude doesn't change towards that job nothing, nothing changes if nothing changes if you go i deserve a better job my kids deserve me to be happy not just coming home from this job that I absolutely hate. So I'm going to find a job that I like. I remember driving around doing uh, electrical work, and I needed benefits, and I just remember seeing a Brinks armored car truck drive by, and I was like, oh, that'd be a cool job um, if I could ever get that job. And I ordinarily might not have said, 
I could have that job, but I was like, I don't know. It was just apply. So I just called, applied, and got the job. I mean, because nothing would have changed if I hadn't changed my attitude. So right there, I changed my attitude and said, I'm just going to call. And then they were like, yeah, we're hiring. So I worked there. Yeah. I, I think this question <clears throat> is, there's two parts that I want to say to you, Kevin. One this is exactly what Caleb's saying. This, you can start today. Start to, right now. As soon as you hear this podcast, start on the job search. And the job search comes in a couple of different ways. It either comes by what Caleb said. He saw the Brinks armored truck drive by and he thought, that's something I could do. I'll apply. So that comes with an application or it comes with you educating yourself for something else, whether that means you're reading a book, you're literally researching on YouTube, or you're actually getting some kind of tech um, schooling. But you, you have to make that investment today. And it's going to cause you to have less sleep, a little less leisure time, because you're going to be doing your power plant job. And either early in the morning is your new reading for your research time, or you're applying for jobs, or after you get off from the power plant, you're spending at least an hour starting today. And then every day from now on, uh, investing in this research or application or job search, or um, schooling. And that motivation should trickle into every other piece of your life. You're not going to feel as stuck, because instead of feeling stuck, you're hunting. And hunting is a lot different than turning spinning your wheels. Because you don't feel stuck if you're hunting. It's like, I'm not going anywhere. You'll think, well, I am going somewhere. I just haven't found it yet. And there's mm -hmm. a big difference in that feeling. And then the second, the second piece of what I feel like I need to say is that there's, there's a couple of different groups of people in, in this world. Monks are one of them. Navy SEALs are another. And, and it's interesting because I read this book by Jesse Itzler called Living with a Monk and Living with a SEAL. So he did, he did both of these groups of people and, and, and he'll go with them for like 30 days and, and just absorb what you could learn from a monk or from a Navy SEAL. And it's funny because when I read those two books, then I started, the little pieces started coming into my daily life. For instance, I take off a shirt and I put it on a hanger and I put it in a closet. And it's kind of wrinkled and it's like falls. It, you put it on the, in, the, in the closet and it slips off the hanger and falls to the ground. And sometimes my reaction is, ah, I'll get it later. Just walk, just walk out of the closet, walk away, which is right now. My closet right now is in an RV. It's actually the bathroom of an RV. That's my current closet. So I walk away. But then there's a little thought that comes to my head and says, would a Navy SEAL walk away? Or would a monk walk away? And so I literally will turn around and I'll get that little shirt that slipped off on the ground. And I'll put it back on the hanger and I'll shake it out, shake the wrinkles out. And I'll put it back on the rack on its hanger and then, and I straighten it and then I look, and I go, now that's what a monk would do, or that's what a Navy SEAL would do. And then I leave. And if you can apply that mentality into all these little pieces of your life, especially your power plant job, like you wake up one morning on a Monday morning and go, I'm going into work to a job I hate, but I'm going to, I'm going to do so good. Today. I'm going to do a perfect 
job today. I'm going to go in to this power plant like I'm a monk. And if, like these monasteries where monks live currently, they always have jobs. It could be, it could be like the, the, the one with Jesse Itzler in the book, they were dog trainers. So they, they train like seeing eye dogs and military dogs and it's all German short, uh, German shepherds. And they could go in and then there's a guy that does laundry and then there are guys that clean the bathrooms and there are guys that does, that cooks the food, but everything they do is for when they make up their bed to when they brush their teeth is perfect. There is no time limit on it. They just do it perfectly. And it's so interesting to think about applying a monk's life or a Navy SEAL's life into your everyday life and watch it eliminate that feeling of being stuck. Because when you start mastering the monotonous, you become the king of the monotonous. And then it's no longer monotonous. You're now the king of something. You're the master of something. It's not the master of you anymore. So you walk away from the power plant and you go, dude, I just had a perfect day. I crushed this day. Everything I did, I did perfect. There's a couple things I tried to cut corners on. I went back and I did it perfect. And it doesn't matter if your boss notices you or not, or if your colleagues, your peers notice you. It doesn't even matter. You get back in your car to go home knowing you're the master of that day. And that's huge in crushing the feeling of being stuck. Yeah, it's true. And just that peace of knowing that you did, um, you know, you stated you did the best that you could for that. Yeah. And the humility, I think it takes, a, it takes a, a good amount of humility to go about life that way, which if you're, if you have the humility to, if you're humble enough to go into a situation where it's like, I'm just going to, nobody's going to see it, but I'm just going to do it, you know, the best I possibly can. Your attitude will get better and it'll get noticed too. Yeah. I, I would say this, Kevin, here's my mission for you. Start with 60 seconds and it sounds crazy, but set an alarm on your phone for 60 seconds and say, all right, today I'm going to, for 60 seconds, I'm going to think about a new job, a new position, a new way to search out and apply for a new job and set your timer and hit go. And the 60 seconds is going to go off and you're going to go, well, dang, that was, that was quick. I didn't even get a really chance to think about it, but stop and move on. And the next day set it for 120 seconds. The next day, come in and go, all right, I'm going to give myself five minutes. And so, so you're gradually, you're not just saying, all right, I'm going to spend two hours a day looking for a new job because you're going to get bored yeah. doing that. You're going to drive yourself and your brain's going to go, no, I can't do this. You get less done and be more frustrated. Yeah, exactly. Less done, more frustrated. So instead, give your, work your way up to like a 10-minute week where each day you're spending 10 minutes on this new job and then see if you can get up to 30 minutes and then maybe... In a month, you could spend an hour a day. Don't start at an hour. Start at one minute. And so if you could do those two things where you're dedicating a certain amount of time every day to your new job, your new search, or your re-education, and then you go back to your power plant and you treat that power plant like you're a monk at a monastery, I promise you, you're going to alleviate that stuck feeling. I'll take a break. Be right back. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. This one is brought to you by Best Fiends. 
a long time ago, I remember my brother Tyler and I, we got really hooked on the puzzle games. And this was decades ago, back when Nintendo used to start coming out with the first puzzle games that would tease your brain. And we would stay up really, really late playing these games. And so now, imagine this scenario. You're you're sneaking around. It's late at night. You you know how you kind of cover the blanket over your phone so no one else sees the glowing light from your phone. And you're you're hidden down there and you're just messing around with your phone. And the, the reality is you're not on Instagram. You're not on Twitter. You're not on TikTok or whatever it might be. Besides maybe listening to the Granger Smith podcast. The truth is you're playing this new game called Best Fiends. And it's free to download. It's a match three puzzle mind game that uh, becomes really, really hard to put down. It's really, really fun. I'm obsessed with it. Uh, it, This game has 100 million downloads, and uh, it's got a very casual gameplay that really fits into your lifestyle, so it's easy to grab it, uh, play play the puzzle, beat the bad guys, uh, put it down, and then rejoin soon. Um, The leaderboard because something that you want to look at all the time, you want to find out you know, where you are if you're ahead of your spouse or, in my case, Tyler, whatever that might be. Best Fiends is a can't-put-down mobile puzzle game, and it's free to download. It's got 100 million downloads, five-star rated puzzle game. Uh, that's pretty amazing. It's got a cast of friends who will help you solve each puzzle and defeat the slugs, the slimy but cute bad boys. Uh, once you download Best Fiends, you cannot put it down, and you just get used to telling yourself, okay, one more level, just one more level. Uh, if you're worried you'd get to level 3,247 and run out of fun, uh, no, it's not possible. It just keeps going, and you keep wanting to play it. Here's your call to action. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. You're going to love it. This podcast is also brought to you today by Scouts Honor. That's S-K-O-U-T-S. This is a very special product for people with stinky or itchy dogs. Where did you think I was going with that sentence? Stinky or itchy dogs. And we have three of them, especially our German short hairs, Remy and soon to be Luna, who's getting to this stage. Um, go through these stages. And we, Amber and I were told that it's yeast, that certain dogs will start producing yeast in certain times of the year. I don't know. Comment below. Let me know if that's right. It sounds right. But because every once in a while, we'll go through a season when Remy just stinks really bad. So introduce Scout's Honor into your life. It's a probiotic grooming product that's scientifically proven natural solution for treating your pet's skin problems. When applied to the skin, probiotics support healthy bacteria and fight against bad bacteria that cause irritation. Maybe it's yeast. I don't know. That's just me speaking. Um, you could choose from several different ama- amazing fragrances, and they it's not like little fruity fragrances. These these will These are good enough for a bachelor to make his dog smell like a bachelor pad. It's not, maybe I said that wrong. (laughs) Not in the bad way, the bachelor pad, the good way, the bachelor pad. (laughs) When applied to the skin, um, it will fight against this bacteria that is causing whatever that irritation is. With that Scout's Honor, your pet will never look, feel, or smell better. Check out all of Scout's Honor's award-winning products today, available online or wherever pet supplies are sold. 
To receive 20% off your first order, go to scoutshonor.com slash Granger. Remember that's scouts with a K at S-K-O-U-T-S, honor.com slash Granger for 20% off your order. Scouts Honor, natural and preventative grooming solutions for pets. Back to the podcast. This question came in, and if you have any question for me, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com and this one came in and I thought right of you Caleb it says what is your favorite pocket knife to carry my favorite pocket knife to carry is almost always a Kershaw and this one we both have the same one because you bought this for me for my birthday my brother Jordan got me this and it is first off it's the uh we have the same one mine's black right there and yours is chrome oh no mine's just been worn out oh yeah same exact model the 8cr13 mov this is not paid for by kershaw no just a really good (laughs) it's just really awesome so it, it uh i carry this one i like the knuckle stop should i have to need a knuckle stop um it also has a quarter inch nut driver small ruler it's got two flat tip uh, screwdriver tips that you put into your quarter inch nut driver. That magnetically hooks on. Yeah, and this thing, I use this for everything. So much so that everybody always knows that I have it on me. Um, actually, at the truck giveaway, one of the covert guys came and said, you have a screwdriver. I had one on me. He goes, I just need it to change license plates. Um, and I said, well, you might need a bigger screwdriver. And I pulled out my pocket knife. Like this, I said, "Here's here's a bigger Phillips tip," and he was like, "Yeah, that'll work perfect." Where'd you get that knife? And I told him where it was. So this is the one I carry on me all the time because I can always the stuff that I do at the warehouse. Sometimes I'll be doing fiddling with electrical or need a Phillips tip or putting this together, putting that together. And there's just there's like a thousand different things you can do this with this. With this. So the the Kershaw assisted opening ones are awesome, but this thing I, I do like a thousand different things with, and then I got you that. Because yeah. I just use it all the time. I have a couple other Kershaws, too, that I have several because occasionally I'll, I won't know where this one is, and then I'll grab the other one off the off my desk. Command, Kershaw really is benefiting from this. They really they are. They didn't pay us a penny for to say all this. I will say that the, if you have an assisted opening one, I've, I've had like four or five of them, and if your spring breaks, you call them, and they just ship it, ship it to you for free. Yeah. Have you ever done that? They're so cool. They just, they're, yeah, nobody's getting paid for this. They just have really good. They just take care of you. And they're pretty reasonably priced, too. I mean, yeah. Like, they're not going to break the bank, but it's a yeah. solid, solid knife. I, my grandfather, on my dad's side, um, always carried a pocket knife, but he, he had those old-timey ones that that have, like, the, uh, the, the wood, wood grain, grain yeah, on the wood side. Grain. And they're, like, impossible to open if they're if you don't keep it oiled. You have to get your fingernail in that little groove yeah, and, and pull it. And so he would lose it all the time. So it was like the joke of the family was at Christmas time, every person in the family would get him one of those. So for Christmas, he'd get like 17 of them. And by the end of the year, he will have lost all 17. I I like that. I love redundancy because you never know when stuff like that's going to happen. Well, if he he would have had a Kershaw, he could have opened the... (laughs) I know. I thought of it. That's what I started saying that because I was like, man, if Paul had had one of these, it would have changed the game for him. (laughs) <laughs> Those things are terrible. The little wood, and I still have. Uh, when he died, 
we each got like his latest inventory, like the grandkids. So I have one from him. Do they all collect eventually? Like, so you found them? They were just lost. Well, at least I we found the current inventory. The other ones just went into like the the endless pit that that his knives fell into. I'm gonna read another question. This is says, "Hey Granger, my name is Nick. I live in a small town in Sweden called Skavde." S K O V D E. Nailed it. I've been listening to Buy Boy Baseball over and over. My own father wasn't present dur- my, during my formative years, and I basically had to teach myself how to be a good man. I'm now 27 years old, and even though uh, I have children of my own, they're still a bit away. And I've thought about what kind of father I've. Uh, let me read that again. I'm 27 years old, and even though having my own children is still a bit away, so he doesn't have them yet, um, I've thought about what kind of father I want to be. Listening to Buy a Boy Baseball um, has put so many emotions into words for me and gave me goosebumps. I now know what kind of father I want to be and what kind of example I want to set for my future children. Thank you so much and everyone involved in making this song. So that's, I guess this is kind of a shout-out. And so thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening um, from Sweden. As I was reading that, I could almost hear your accent because you're typing this. <laughs> so I uh, appreciate you, buddy. And um, and here's to uh, here's to being 27, still being single and with no kids. That's awesome. Hang in there. You got about three more years. Hang in there. I always think 30s are a good age to start having kids. <laughs> to start thinking about that. Unless you're our kids, then 40, maybe 50. 50, yeah. 60. Just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. Um, here's a question from Tim, and this is interesting, and you could probably help me with this, Caleb. It says, hey, Granger, I hope you guys are having uh, a great holiday season. We've constantly got you streaming throughout our office in Auburn, Alabama, and it dawned on us, how do you guys get weather forecast and make plans when weather becomes an issue, both on the road and at the farm, thanks so much. P.S. If you need a, a company watching your back, let us know because Tim works for AWIS Weather Services in Auburn, Alabama. So, we're, Caleb, were you in the band when Frank Maglin, our audio engineer, was like heading up weather services for us? Or did he take that on after you? That was probably after me. It's funny because our old uh, audio engineer took on like his own division of our production staff as a weather analyst. And he would study the weather before we left for a tour. And then we had a special group (laughs) meeting. You're laughing. This is serious. I can just see it. Oh, man, check this out. Okay, so there's high pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like that. Frank. So he would go, all right, guys, on Friday, that's how Frank talked. All right, guys, on Friday, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, supposed to be clear skies, <laughs> 60 degrees. Uh, that evening, um, low pressure system will be moving in. Uh, about the time we're loading the trailer, we should get a little precipitation. So bring your raincoat and a sweater. Uh, the next day, we will be heading into Lincoln, Nebraska. Should be overcast skies with a 30% chance of rain, a uh, high of 53 degrees. God, I wish I would have seen this. And it was so funny because love you, Frank. we would actually go by that and be like, you know, if because if, you, when you're on the road, 
And Tim, the, Tim has a good point because when you travel as far and as much as we did before COVID, you easily could end up in a really different weather system than you thought you would be. For instance, it could be August and you're touring in um, the UP of Michigan and it's going to get down to 30 at night um, and you're completely unprepared. So eventually our buses just got completely stocked with every kind of weather gear, whether it was rain or beanies and gloves and jackets. Um, but then to answer your question, Tim, it, it evolved into like the bus driver job. The bus drivers took on um, being aware of weather because they needed to know what they were driving through. And the key times that we really had to look at usually was load in and load out and show time. So if it was an outdoor show, we always had to pay attention to show time. But always we had to pay attention to load out time, which is say it's midnight to 1 a.m. What's happening at the the loading dock or the back door of the venue? And do we need to push that load earlier or later because of a storm? And we have dealt with this like in the summer touring season, like during festival season. Weather is always a really big deal because it's we're constantly um, bringing tarps and the guys will put saran wrap around their guitar pedal boards because we play no matter what. We play in rain or shine if it's an outdoor festival. The only time we don't play is if it's high winds and the stage is in danger or if it's lightning. But if it's just, just rain, we're going to play. Unless, for some reason, the promoter has a reason to call it off, but we can't personally call it off because we're contracted to play. Yeah, They're not going to pay us if we say we aren't going out there because it's raining. Um, so we've had, we've had countless, hundreds, hundreds of stories of iffy weather conditions. Do you remember any of them in the van days? I remember stuff got blown down. We were at like a festival and it was in a tent. The the in around the Houston area? Yeah. Yeah. It blew down on us when we were inside of it, but a it was massive the only tent. One. I mean that sucker yeah. was massive. But that was that was the only one that I remember. And that and the entire tent went down. We didn't have Weatherman Frank at that or he wasn't Weatherman yeah. at that point, which I still am trying to envision him. Yeah. Giving the forecast. So awesome question, Tim. Frank's and, forecast. Thank you for uh, asking a question that no one would have thought to ask, but uh, besides a weatherman, and um, it is just like you suspected, Tim. It's a big deal for driving. It's a big deal for show playing the show, and it's a big deal for carrying gear through the show. And it just it's all over the map on how that changes. Um, we'll do one more. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. This question is from John, without an H. So, hey, Granger, my name's John. I've been a fan of your, yours for years, and I love the music and the content you put out and find myself relating to you in many ways. This has been a crazy year, and and uh, one many people have struggled to agree on. I agree with taking precautions in relation to COVID-19, but not shutting down your whole life to avoid the chance of getting it. All right, here we go. Enjoy life to the fullest while you can on the chance uh, the virus or the multitude of other things might happen tomorrow. It says might be happen. I do my best to read these emails word for verbatim, but sometimes it's, it's, it's sometimes hard. They trip you up. <laughs> sometimes they trip me up. Um, I've heard you speak um, 
about child safety, and this is an issue you feel strongly about that others may not, my question is, how do you factor that into considering uh, other strong feelings towards precautions, quarantine, because of a loss of their family due to COVID-19? John, I think I kind of understand what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and let me go back. He says, I agree with taking precautions in relation to COVID-19, but not with shutting down your whole life to avoid the chance of getting it. And, and it's not, maybe he's struggling with some friends who are thinking against that. Uh, which is why he's saying, how do you, how do you deal with an issue that you feel strongly towards that others may not? It's crazy. I don't really get that question too often, but it's mm-hmm. surprising that I don't get it every question these days. Yeah, it's interesting that more people don't ask you that, especially as a, uh, a touring musician and travel such a part of your life. Yeah, I don't. I um, I don't deal with this too much, John, because the. This whole stuff, this whole virus thing, I'm just over it. I'm completely over it. And I don't put hope in 2021. I don't put hope in the vaccine. I don't put hope in a new president. I don't put hope in a a, uh, medical advisor. Um, I put hope in God. And there's so much... Um, there's so much grace given when you just finally give up trying to, to put hope in man and don't, don't hear me wrong in saying that just means, I don't, means I don't care. And I'm just going to live my life the way I want to live it. That's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress and, and destroy my myself because I'm worried about other people in humanity holding up to something I believe in. So uh, this question is not, um, and your subject line is relatability. And I just, I'm over it. And you've seen me, you've seen mm-hmm. me deal with this year. You see me, you know, start with where, where everyone was scared at the beginning. And I say this year, I'm talking about 2021 now. But uh, the beginning of this, this the shutdown. Um, yeah, everybody believed it in the. Not that you don't believe it. It's believable. It's a virus. People are catching it. People are dying from it. But yeah. It was. It was initially a whole lot. I mean, I'll, I'll keep going. No, so no. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I've really. Um, and that's kind of my answer. I'm really over it. Uh, I. I. We're all going to die. At some point, and um, as adults, that's our responsibility. As children, mm-hmm. we want to talk about children here. That's not their responsibility. That's ours. Mm-hmm. So that's why we do everything we can uh, in precautions, and we we make sure everything is uh, is right when it comes to child safety. Uh, but when it comes to adults, and we're trying to work for a living, um, and someone wants to take the most extreme measures for a virus, that's totally up to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. not ever going to argue. Uh, we went to an ice cream place the other day with me and Amber and the kids. And the lady said, 
And I'm not really, I'm not really anti-mask and I'm not really pro-mask. I mean, I'm kind of right in between. Yeah. And so I literally just forgot to put it on, but we went into this ice cream place and she said, do you mind, do you just mind putting on your mask? Because we're really struggling. This company's really struggling and, and the, the city will fine us $1,500 if they catch someone in here without a mask. That's ridiculous. And do you know, I'm not going to look her in the eye and say, well, then I'll be taking my business elsewhere, yeah. you know? Yeah, you just, you went to that place and do them a favor. You know, they're just trying to so save business said, just like I everybody said, else. Yeah, I said, I'm, I'm, I said I'm, that's my fault, and I forgot about it, and I just pulled up my little gator above my my face. And I didn't, I didn't think I was anti-patriotic for that, or, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just, uh... I'm just kind of numb on the whole thing. I think everybody's getting more numb, especially with all the, the. I mean, you just look to the leadership, the, all the, all the, all the politicians who are telling you to do one thing mm-hmm. and they're doing another. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as they start doing another, I'm, I'm nobody's going to follow. I mean, that's how serious. That's how serious the whole situation is is the people telling you that it's this serious and we need to do all these different things are doing different things than that i mean we got a what is the a certain politician for for the city of austin issued a you should stay at home order from mexico that's mm-hmm. how serious it is yeah that, y'all should not go anywhere where was, are you well, i'm in mexico it was absolutely ridiculous from our mayor in austin texas not our he's yeah. the, the city over we're in Georgetown and uh, the mayor of Austin telling everybody to stay yeah. home uh, from a video that he recorded in Mexico on vacation at his daughter's yeah. largely I mean, attended wedding. I mean, what do you, what do you want? Yeah, it was, well, it was, it was a wedding. It was already planned. Well, everybody mm-hmm. else has other stuff planned. If you're not going to take it that serious, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need to take it that serious. Gavin yeah. Newsom said, uh, you guys should no no dining. You guys just need to cancel this, cancel that. Well, then he goes to Napa Valley and has dinner. We we'll take it as serious as you do. Yeah. I mean I'm not I'm not gonna take it yeah more serious than you do. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a stance on this podcast that's too far from what people have already said a million times. It's like if you feel like you have some kind of pre existing conditions, stay home. Absolutely stay home. Yeah. And if you know that you might have it, I don't think you need to be, like you're saying, it's not, it's not like this draw line in the sand. I will not wear a mask at any point. Well, that's just, yeah. That's, I mean, if you have someone that you love who is immunocompromised, then don't go around them. Um, and then it's just, if, if, if people applied their compassion to this situation a little more, then that would work, kind of work itself out. If you're, if you're at risk, don't go out and do stuff. And, and if you, you know, if you're not at risk, you know, just go about your life. I mean, what happened to free choice? There's another story. And uh, Chipotle down the road, I was getting a burrito. And Chipotle's pretty, pretty mask heavy. You know, they want, they want you to wear a mask. And it's the same thing. Like the city is going to find you. And so you can't totally blame the individual's business uh, that that's under threat of getting the fine. You blame the city, but not the business. So I went to go get a burrito and they asked me to please put my mask on. So I put it on, got my burrito left and bull was like, where'd you go for lunch? That's my bus driver bull. Love him. He said, where'd you go for lunch? I said, Chipotle. And he goes, they make you wear a mask. I said, yeah. And he said, did you put it on? I said, yeah. And he goes, huh? 
You just did what they said? <laughs> just, just did what I they said. said. I was like, yeah, I wanted a burrito. And he said, so if they came to your house tomorrow and said, I want all your guns, you'd just say, okay, because that's that's what they tell you? I was like, boy, I don't <laughs> put those in there. I don't, that's the problem with ideologies is you go, you go all the way down one road and you can't turn back on one road, one solid ideology. It gets very dangerous when you try to apply it to everything else in your life. I think that's the, I think the, it's natural. I think it's ex- extremely uh, in, embedded in the American that if someone goes, you know, this thing's dangerous, masks are probably a good idea. Like, man, sounds pretty reasonable. But mm-hmm. when someone goes, you have to wear a mask or else, we're like, yeah. nah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah. It's just an American, you know. Yeah. We've been doing that since we were throwing tea in the harbor. It's just, you know, if you ask us, it's, it's very reasonable. American. Yeah. But if you just tell me to or else, then I'm like, nah, I all of a sudden don't feel like wearing this. It's just. Yeah. And I'm also not at the point where I'm going to look an old, older lady in the eye that owns a little small mom and pop ice cream shop. And she says, "Can you can you please put that on? Just because if someone sees me, I could, I can get fined, and I'm I'm already hanging on just as it is. I'm yeah. not going to look at her and go, no, yeah, no, give me my ice cream. You or, tell you me what, keep to your do, ice cream. devil woman. You keep your two dollar and thirty cent ice cream, woman. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not, not me. Instead, I just go, yeah, yes, ma'am, yeah. yes, ma'am, and I give her the money for the ice cream, and me and the kids leave. That doesn't yeah. seem that that big a deal to me." No, or if, you know, if, like if if uh, if you were to go visit somebody who has a family member who's, you know, who who could get sick very quickly, um, and um, not survive COVID, you know, for whatever reason, you know, just just do it. It's it's the when uh oh we went we went to eat to dinner. This is the one that's ridiculous. We went to eat. Me and Heidi went to eat, and uh, we're walking outdoor you walk up to where they sign you in and uh and then you go there's a door into the restaurant well only from standing outside the door to inside the restaurant did i have to wear my mask mm-hmm. all of five feet one door and then i could take my mask off and then it's at that point where i'm like i did nothing to protect myself from no so there's there's things where there's reasonable to do it around people who are that's just where, and it goes back to, if you if you want to go eat, go eat, and don't wear a mask. Yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not into going to get into the science, and I hate that word now. Like I hate the word science, and I hate the word virologist. I hate those words because some everyone goes, oh, you know science now, you know you know virology. No, I don't. I don't. Well, I have a friend. It's a, a virologist. Friend. Everybody knows a friend. And so. Everybody knows a virologist. It doesn't make sense to my small brain that a little piece of cloth around my face and nose would stop the virus. It doesn't totally make sense to me. Um, So in my opinion, if I was worried about it or I knew someone that was susceptible to it, I would not be around them or I would stay home. That's the best way. That's the best way to not get it. If you don't leave the house or don't go to someone else's house that that is sensitive to it, mm. but going to the restaurant and wearing a tiny piece of cloth on your face f- f- when you walk in the door, and then taking that tiny piece of cloth off when you sit down, and I'm just preaching to the choir here. And there's people I'm 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 suspecting that people listening to this are split about fifty fifty. Some people are like hundred percent mask, then there's probably people that are like hundred percent no mask, and then both of those probably overlap. To guys like me, that's like you know what. 
That's uh, yeah. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm yeah, over it all. I'm over it. I don't, all. I don't have seen the the was it the the football games where like the the band has masks that split in the middle so they can play the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that was Texas A&M. My album alma mater is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and this, it, just in case you're getting your keyboards ready to start uh, putting hate on me, because when you take a neutral position like a little bit like I am. That's all people are going to want to do is hate because there's going to be people that say I need to advocate for only one side or the other or I'm wrong because it's that old Aaron Tippin song, you got to stand for something yeah. or you'll fall for anything. Mm-hmm. And once again, that's an ideology that can get dangerous. That kind of mentality can get dangerous. And, and here's what I'm saying. Let me sum everything up. I'm not worried about it because I don't trust mankind. I put my faith in God. I put my faith in the Almighty, the Creator, who I find peace from, who I get grace, and I am better mentally, I'm maybe better physically, I don't know. I'm definitely better mentally uh, for putting my faith there. And I don't have to, when I have my faith there, I don't have to go all out and say, this is where I draw the line in the sand. That's yeah. what I'll say. Although I will say, God said, you have to I would rather you lukewarm or cold. To him. I mean, hot, hot or cold, I mean. To so, him, not lukewarm. I'm just kidding. I'm just to kidding. him. So I'd rather you hot or cold or I'll spit you out right now. He did say that but, about but, him, and I am definitely hot I'm water for him. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs> we'll end it there. We'll see you guys. Yee, yee. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.